Kia ora and welcome to the Stronger Dads Collective podcast, where we aim to help dads be stronger versions of themselves as fathers, people, and in their athletic pursuits. Let's get into today's episode. Kia ora team, welcome to the second episode of the Stronger Dads Collective podcast. Um, today I'm joined by a special guest, Sean Curry. Um, some of you may have heard of Sean, some of you may not have heard of Sean. Um, I've known Sean for a number of years now. Um, he was one of my students when I was teaching at UCO, and um, he was studying our exercise and sports science program there. He currently is the lead strength and conditioning coach for Crusaders um, Super Rugby team and the Canterbury NPC side. Uh, he was previously a strength and conditioning coach for the Stags and the Southern Steel and also coached um, strength and conditioning coached for a team in Russia professionally. So a little bit of international mix there as long, along with that South Island um, experience. He's an ASCA Level 2 coach, which is the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association. Um, so he's got a lot of hands-on experience when it comes to coaching, um, when it comes to strength training, conditioning, all of those sorts of aspects, which we're really keen on um, in this podcast in terms of that exercise and wellness background. Um, in terms of athletically, Sean has done a number of different um, things. I've, I've listed a few little highlights here, and Sean, um, as we get into it, you're welcome to add a few more to that mix if you wish. Uh, but the sub-12 hour Ironman, I think, is one of the big achievements. He also ran his full marathon um, in that Ironman faster than I ran a marathon on its own. So, you know, that's a pretty big achievement after a long swim and a very long bike. He was a professional rugby player for probably the greatest NPC side, um, the Manawatu Turbos as well as being an elite level national CrossFit competitor, which we spent a lot of time training together um, when he was studying as well. So we've got a bit of a background there. Um, he always used to you know, be a little bit better than me uh, at that. So that's just, you know, a little bit of kudos to Sean there. He is a very good athlete. Um, recently, uh, actually more recently than me as well, he is a father of one, uh, Cooper, who is 18 months old. So that's a little bit of a background and intro to who Sean is. And we're just going to have a bit of a yarn today and um, chat about some things to do with, um, you know, being a stronger dad. So Sean, I thought probably the best thing to do is just to give you a chance to talk a little, about, little bit about your background. Um, one of the things I was kind of thinking about this morning with this is that there's probably a bit that we can gather from people's backgrounds as well about you know how they were raised and their parents as well because there's probably some key learnings from that so I don't know how deep you want to get into that sort of stuff but I'm going to leave it to you to to introduce yourself a little bit more if you wish and take us right back to your childhood and um, some of that early family life. Awesome cool thanks mate thanks for the introduction um elite CrossFit competitor may be pushing it a bit, but um, that's probably your your training that you put me through, mate. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll start. Um, yeah, I'll give you a bit of an intro. Um, so grew up a little town called Reparoa, a little country uh, school uh, in the middle of the North Island. I was one of four boys, so that childhood and, and that upbringing uh, would be as you'd expect, I suppose, with with three brothers, uh, yeah. plenty of competing against each other, plenty of um, fighting, uh, and then yeah, just good fun. Always had someone to to throw a ball around with or or get into trouble with. So um, yeah, one of four boys grew up uh, small country school uh, on a little lifestyle block. 
uh, which it wasn't a dairy farm or we didn't have a big farm or anything like that, but uh, there was enough room to run around and a few dry stock and stuff. So um, now it was good. That was sort of, that's sort of my childhood really. Um, we can go into a bit more detail later if you like around. Um, Where are you amongst the, amongst the boys, Sean? Are you oldest, youngest, middle? Uh, second youngest. So that, yeah, leaves me two older brothers and one, one younger brother. Um, so yeah, there was my youngest brother, um, I suppose we used to call him the brains of the family. Um, and then I had two older brothers who were, I guess, just into sport as I was. And, and I guess we're all into sport, but I sort of got dragged up with the older two, I suppose, and, um, tried to keep up with them the whole time. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. And like, um, being sort of a competitive sort of person I was always trying to keep up with them um, sometimes I couldn't obviously when things got a bit more physical when we we're younger but uh, ended up in a few tears uh, more than once but uh, it was always, always good yeah having the brothers around and, and and trying to keep up with them especially the older brothers then yeah finished school at Rip Rock College my last year was 2009 um, and then went down to Palmerston North uh, 2010 had a couple of years there or a, yeah well a couple of years there just sort of figuring out what I wanted to do um, I ended up actually working for a, a road working company uh, they were a sponsor of our club team at the time so had a couple of years just working on the roads and doing a bit of lollipop work and jumping on a shovel and and that sort of thing while I was trying to chase the rugby dream and then that um, sort of did eventuate and like you said in 2012 where I got the chance to to play for the turbos uh which only lasted one season um but yeah it was good while it lasted and and uh it was good fun um and that sort of just came to an end through injury really had a couple of season ending injuries back to back I uh, had a bit of trouble with the knee and and with my hip uh so that there was sort of a couple of surgeries later and and sort of decided to, to knock it on the head. Then I, during that time that I was injured um, and sort of getting through that rehab process, um, I was being taught by yourself actually, um, went through UCOL at that stage, sort of started to find other interests and hobbies. Uh, before that, it was just rugby, um, rugby, rugby, rugby my whole life. And then- Did you play any other sports then, growing up? like? Any cricket in the well, summer we, or anything, or was it all rugby pretty much the whole year? No, yeah, we played. I played other sports, um, just about anything I could, really. Um, if you got a day off school, uh, I'd put my hand <laughs> up for it. So um, volleyball, basketball, water polo, cricket. I mean, the yeah, works. just about everything. Um, and being a small school, too, you could, you know, everyone's looking for numbers to make up, make up the teams. So uh, you could just about make any team you wanted, uh, you set to turn up and, and where you go. So, um, yeah, played all sorts, all sorts of sports, um, which I think did help, um, me when I did start to look at other things I wanted to do, uh, once I stopped playing rugby, um, when I was studying, I had a bit of time and, and I was sort of learning and studying strength and conditioning. Uh, so then I sort of started to be a little bit more intrigued with health what I could do with my body, how, how far I could push things and sort of discovered CrossFit, uh, 
during that time as well. So um, yeah, all those different sporting backgrounds, I think really helped when it comes to something like CrossFit, um, which they try and test everything, um, endurance, strength, a uh, bit of coordination, flexibility, all that stuff you get playing everyday sports anyway, or, yeah. or different type of sports, whether it's, or even athletics day, you still jump in everything, you know, sprinting, cross country, throwing sports. It's all, all um, sort of good training, I guess, for, for when I jumped into the, to the CrossFit scene, um, which lasted the good chunk of my study, 2012 to 2015. Um, I was at UCOL and um, yeah, got my sport and exercise science uh, degree. And then the tail end of that um, is when I actually got the opportunity to head down to Christchurch. So I've been in Palmerston North for sort of five years or so. Um, and then got an opportunity uh, for an internship at the end of my studies with the Crusaders, yeah. uh, which I thought, shit, pretty lucky to get that. Um, something like that doesn't come How many, come how many people get those, Sean? Are they just one person gets them or is there a couple of interns? How does it typically work? Like, did you have to apply for that? Uh, yeah, I had to apply. So I just seen it online, which I think talking to people more recently around the whole process, I think it was, they don't often sort of put ads out or, or get mm -hmm. people from, from outside the area. Um, but Mark Jury, who was the head at the time, um, that's the way he went about it and sort of put an ad out and I just applied for it. Uh, and then you was lucky enough to get it and, and they typically... They had one then. Uh, most people sort of just took on one intern, but now there can be anywhere from one to two or even three, depending on how they want to sort of break those roles up, I guess, and whether someone's willing to commit to that sort of more full-time or just a few hours a week. Um, so it sort of depends how that department wants to set up. And just with my SNC hat on there as well, Sean, that... Was that a paid opportunity? Was there any sort of support with that? And how does that sort of work nowadays? If I, you know, I don't know if anyone's listening. This is a dad's podcast, so I don't know how many young guns uh, early, early, you know, have just finished uni might be listening. But we might have a couple. You know, they might they might be interested when they see that you're the lead S and C coach that they might be able to learn something from you. Is, are those paid opportunities? Are they voluntary? How does that kind of work? Uh, they're voluntary. Uh, I spent that first year down there was uh, voluntary, so I used to rock up and was there from sort of, or as much as I could really. I was mm. starstruck, I was at the Crusaders, so I was there from yeah. when I could, when they opened the doors in the morning. Um, <laughs> but I, well, not quite. I actually had part-time work around that too because it wasn't yeah. paid. Um, so I was taking classes in the morning, doing a bit of personal training um, and sort of before and after the internship. So, I mean, they're made for long days when you're up at, five yeah. o'clock and then it's pt or taking some crossfit classes beforehand uh then i'd head down to crusaders and spend the day there um sort of learning the ropes and then uh after that i would sort of go back and it was with a school team at the time so i'd go to st Bede's. uh, uh it was the school that i was working with at the time and and sort of look after their rugby program there or their strength and conditioning program which was sort of a little bit of paid work, a little bit of coin in the morning and the evenings. But yeah, that, that time, that whole first year I was down there, it's just uh, giving your time, trying to put your best foot forward and and yeah, hopefully an opportunity comes up at some stage or if not, mm. um, 
do sort of apply for an opportunity or or a role in the future, you've got uh, some experience from a professional organisation. Uh, which, yes, strength and conditioning is a funny industry like that. Um, yeah, you don't often go through your studies and, and come out the other end of it with a with a job. It's sort of yeah. often have to put in a bit of unpaid unpaid time to to land a job. So that leaves me, where, where were we now? End of, oh, heading down to Christchurch. Yeah. So I was in Christchurch for two years. Uh, first year was unpaid internship. And then the second year I got um, a role within the International Academy down there, uh, which is uh, something the Crusaders run. Um, they'll get anyone and everyone from overseas who want to apply and come and see what we do down at the Crusaders. Um, and I was running the strength and conditioning program for that uh, international academy for a year, uh, which was awesome. And then um, I suppose the next decision in my life was made. So I might wind back the clock a couple of years to where I met Stace. Met Stace when I was in Palmerston North, uh, sort of my last year in Palmy. And the end of my studies, 2015, I moved to Christchurch and she got a job down in Gore as um, she was uh, working as a TFO for farmlands. So Gore's, Gore's a place to go um, when you're working in the farming industry. Um, where there's mud, there's money, they tell me. So <laughs> I went to, went to Gore. Um, well, Stace went to Gore and I went to Christchurch and we spent two years doing the long distance thing. Um, and then after that, uh, it was sort of... Well, doing all right, but you know, two years of doing it long distance, you're sort of always looking for an opportunity to to move together or, or, or live together eventually uh, in a role. And that, that's, that's proper long distance, isn't it? You know, like how, yeah, how long yeah, does yeah. it take to drive to Gore from Christchurch? Uh, she was a good six and a half hour drive. Yeah. Um, and at the time, like I said, I was, I was an internship and a bit of part-time <laughs> work, so I wasn't going to jump on a flight. Um, <laughs> So I was, was wait a week or two till I could fill up the tank full of gas and then I'd, I'd head down the road um, for a long weekend or, or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, two years, we sort of started to have enough of that. And then a, and a role come up um, down in Invercargill for, like you said, the intro was for the Southern Steel netball uh, team based out of Invercargill. So um, they're actually set up out of two branches down there, both Dunedin and Invercargill, but I went and looked after the Invercargill side of it and yeah. was lucky enough to to sort of get my my first full-time strength and conditioning role, really, that was at the time. Um, so, yeah, big opportunity, uh, get full-time role, strength and conditioning, and then also move closer to Stace as well. Um, so decided to do that. Um, which only actually lasted a year until the guy who was at Rugby Southland there at the Stags, the strength and conditioning guy who was actually from England, uh, decided to head back home. So then there was a sort of opportunity to get back into rugby pretty quickly, really. So I, so mm. I took that um, up as well. And then, yeah, it was sort of two and a half, three years at the Stags. Um, for the um, yeah, best part of three years anyway, and and sort of got to just 
sharpen the tools a little bit, I suppose, and, and start to, to work in the rugby scene and lead my own program. Um, and it was an awesome place to do it. Uh, good group of boys. They were going through a bit of a rough, rough mm -hmm. patch at that stage. I think we're on a, when I turned up anyway, we're on a bit of a losing streak already. I think it might have been a year or so. And, and then we'd done another year without winning a game when I was there too. So, as a Turbos um, fan, I was I was thankful for that, mate. It helped us get a couple of Ws because we we don't get many. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, each, it's funny. Each of those smaller unions, they have their have their periods where they go through a bit of a lull and and mm. sort of struggle with numbers or, or funding or whatever it may be. Um, so it was, it was looking back now is an awesome place to yeah to to learn and and grow and because um, you just. You, you, you learn to work with what you've got and yeah. you, you nail down the basics and, and you soon sort of realise as well, once you do have a bit more, we're at a club that's got a bit more money or a bit more freedom, um, it still always comes back to those basics yeah. uh, anyway. Um, you can have all the fancy fluff and equipment you want, but if you're not willing to do the work and yeah. um, you've just got basic facilities, you can still get in a lot of work and do a lot of good work as well. So. Yeah, um, it was a really awesome place to work. Um, and then sort of got to the 20, end of the 2019 season, um, I started to get itchy feet a little bit. Um, always wanted to travel with work and experience something different, a different culture, different environment. Um, so sort of started to put my feelers out a little bit and just have a look around. Um, wanted to do it obviously before I, we started a family or before kids come along, cause I couldn't do it now. Um, <laughs> so yeah. And um, it was actually a guy who was the lead or the head of performance at Crusaders at the time sent through an opportunity to head to Russia. Um, I didn't even know how good the rugby was in Russia at the time. <laughs> I didn't even know they had a full-time professional competition in Russia, which they do. Um, got a 10 team full-time professional comp over there and, um, it's before all the, all everything's happened in the last year or so, it was before that. So, um, Russia didn't seem like a, a too bad a place to go, different environment, different culture, different language, um, something different. So, um, ended up jumping on a plane and spending a year in Russia, uh, with it. After with you've just team. told me, after you just told us a couple of minutes back that you didn't like the long distance thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, I was good at it by that stage. <laughs> <laughs> Had the experience. <laughs> yeah. I already spent a couple of years with Stace, so um, it was time to, to do long distance <laughs> again. So, um, no, it's quite funny, actually, because I took that opportunity, uh, went over there, started 2020. It was January 2020 when I took that role, and it was for the 2020 season. Uh, we actually had a wedding in March of 2020. So went over to Russia for two months, uh, come back, got married, spent about three days with Stace and then um, jumped back on a plane and went to Russia again. So uh, <laughs> I got husband of the year that year. Um, <laughs> the year but, um, and the other thing that happened in March of 2020 as well was the um, COVID. First yeah, you COVID timed for your wedding. Period, so. Perfectly, really, didn't you, for, for not being interfered with by COVID? Yeah, yeah. I, um, we just got that done. I think it was a week or 10 days later, we went to lockdown. And I only just flew out, too. I just got back to Russia. Um, 
landed and then a couple of days later I started seeing it all on the news and uh, Jacinda Ardern was all over my Facebook telling me to come home and, and any Kiwis overseas come home now or you'll be you'll be locked out um, but I actually decided to wait it out and just uh, spent the year over in Russia um, was a bit tricky coming back you were meant to be going to the Olympics as well eh? that same year uh, wasn't it was that 2020? Yep. Yeah, because it was meant to be 2020. Got pushed, didn't it? It got so that was where you were meant to meet meet up with Stace again, wasn't it? A few months later, it was meant to be right. We're going to catch up over here, and that never happened. Yeah, and she was actually going to come over to Russia, and we were going to do a bit of travelling around Europe too, or at least Eastern <laughs> Europe, and and get around because it's not far. I mean, Russia's not far yeah. from from everywhere over there. So depending on where you are in Russia, of course. <laughs> where you are in Russia, yeah. The, the western side, I was not far from Moscow, so yeah. we weren't too far from the rest of Europe. Um, but yeah, all that got put on hold and I was stuck mm. in Russia for a year, uh, which was an interesting experience, but an awesome experience as well. Like, yeah. I don't have anything bad to say from my experience over there. I mean, I've heard some stories um, of people going over there, uh, but the team I was with, the people who were looking after me, management, um, it was just an awesome time. Had a mm. Got well looked after uh, and a good bunch of boys. Um, so yeah, it, was, it was a good time. And then came back. What was the rugby like? Season. Just to interrupt there, like, was because I mean, you came from, I guess, the best you can pretty much get in Super Rugby with the Crusaders as your first taste of being a professional SNC coach or you know, in, in that environment. And then you head over to to Russia where you didn't even know there was a professional league, but there's actually this ten team professional league, like. What what was that like in terms of a change from the New Zealand rugby, which is kind of considered the pinnacle? Um, yeah, going across there, like, how did you find that? Um, it wasn't too bad. Um, I mean, I compare it between, like, if you had a competition somewhere between Heartland Championship and, and the NPC, yeah. uh, I'd sort of rate it. Like, the better teams in Russia would compete with the lower sort of ranked teams in the NPC and yeah. the, the better teams in the the Heartland. Yeah. Um, so it's sort of that level, but it was full-time professional. Um, yeah. I mean, physically, they're just like any team over here. Like physically, they weren't mm. too bad. It's just their skill set, um, which let them down. They didn't grow up passing a rugby ball around over there. They all grew up playing soccer or uh, ice hockey or whatever it is. So, um yeah, it was more the skill-based things that I we sort of honed in on. When I was there, even being a strength and conditioning coach, that wasn't the the main area of focus that I could see mm-hmm. that would improve that team. It was more of the skill set stuff. Um, and being from New Zealand and being an SNC coach, they just think you're a rugby coach anyway. So I sort of started <laughs> to fall into the the strength and conditioning slash skills coach um, sort of role, yeah. but. Um, it was good fun. I didn't mind it. I quite enjoyed it um, for a change anyway. And then... Um, did you guys get locked down? Like, did the competition get interfered with? Yeah, there's Russia. Um, so we didn't do things like most countries. Um, locked down for two weeks. They took it pretty seriously. Um, and being in a foreign country, especially Russia, I literally don't think I... I didn't leave my complex those two weeks. I definitely didn't want to be seen out and about in Russia if I wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Um, 
but it lasted two weeks and then they sort of half started to return to normal really um we got a special dispensation from the local governing body to be able to train as a team still so we used to just head into the stadium and we could train but then we had to head straight back home yeah. um so we pretty much and i had in my apartment complex at a supermarket and sort of cafes and places to get food so um i was pretty much doing what i minus the travel i was there to yeah work anyway so just turned up and head to work and head home and it didn't bother me too much really um mm. and then as time went on just like anywhere else they slowly relaxed things and then by not long we're back to normal anyway um and yeah i'm not sure how bad the covid situation was there i mean who knows what you're getting told over there especially so um yeah just turned up and worked like i would have and it was just coming home was probably the hardest part because had um a few different flights cancelled because it was sort of november october november at that stage end of the season i was trying to get home uh booked a flight to get home and it was um got cancelled mm. quite last minute um so then okay i'll try in another week booked another another flight home that got cancelled for a second time and then airlines they don't give you your refund straight away either so i was quite a few grand Two out of pocket short. that stage yeah yeah it's not a cheap flight back <laughs> yeah and i thought shit how many times can i do this looking at my bank account um but then third time lucky um but it ended up going back through uh heathrow airport and did a bit of a roundabout way of getting home but yeah managed to get home in the end which was um which was good um and as yeah, it's hard. Did the, because did the club look after you during all that as well? Like in terms of, because they probably put you up in accommodation or whatever, I'm assuming. Like it wasn't like you were at the end of your apartment time and you can't go back. It was, no, you were okay no, for accommodation, everything? Yeah, cool. Yeah, 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 they looked after me and they, we had a team doctor and everything. So that's the other headache was you had to get the a negative test from <laughs> a doctor. So I'd head into Russia, just about take me a day to get that sorted. Uh, not speaking a lot of the language heading in and mm. going to a, I was initially just going to a doctor in town uh, as we had to go and do it and I'd done that for the first two times because you had to get that test done within I think it was within 48 hours or something of your last international flight which was mm. that was me leaving Dubai so um and it was taking me a day to get to Dubai anyway so I pretty much had to get that test done the day before I left yeah um and then go jump on a flight. And when I've done that twice and rebooking flights and things like that, um, I just went and talked to the team doctor and said, mate, this is this is what's happening. Um, and he sort of looked after me and, and uh, sort of done the whole negative rat test documentation himself and got me on a flight. So um, yeah, no, they did still look after me. I wasn't, mm. I wasn't stranded in Russia, but um, Yes, that's the yeah, benefit was, of doing it as part of your job rather than being a tourist, you know, like, and you've got to book more accommodation and all those sorts of things. Like you had that benefit that you're actually working and sounds like it was a decent workplace, you know, in terms of that care of you as well. Yeah, yeah. No, they did look after me, which is, yeah, it was awesome. Because um, I wouldn't want to be over there and not being looked after anyway. Uh, yeah, although they say it's not it's not as bad. Well, at the time, 2020, um, I think the world sort of had a 
had a view of Russia and they always you always to say it as well. I'll talk to the locals and they'd sort of have a bit of a laugh because they still think Russia's like it was in the 90s, like I think it was quite bad. But um, yeah, now it's, well, not now currently, but uh, 2020, I mean, you could walk around and you're, you're fine, like it's any other place just about. Yeah, the, we, the, John the, the Russian I mafia weren't going to come John out and I went over there in, um, in 2013. And, you know, we had a similar sort of experience where we we stayed at a, after after our competition in Suzdal, we went back to Russia, uh, to Moscow, sorry. Um, and it was the same sort of thing. Like we sort of expected it to be this quite scary to walk around place. Um, but we'd wander from our, you know, B&B type place we were staying at into town. You know, people that we actually knew were quite friendly. The only thing we found weird as Kiwis was walking around, people wouldn't smile at you. Um you know, it was sort of you had to have this sort of cold face for a bit. But the, the Russians that we got to know well, you know, there are a couple of brothers that we met at the competition and they were awesome. You know, one of them didn't go back to his home in St. Petersburg. He came to Moscow and acted as a tour guide for the you know week that we stayed there. And we got this really cool experience in Russia that having no understanding of the language we wouldn't have got. So, you know, we, we found a similar thing back in 2013 as well, that it wasn't this big, scary place that we sort of in the West make it out to be i mean as you say it might be things might be a bit different nowadays um given given the war and that but at, at that time we went through it was it was you know the people were were nice when we got to know them and there was all those things they had their rivalries um at that time because we were in powerlifting with the ukrainians and the kazakhs and that sort of stuff um but yeah i, I had a similar experience to yourself where i felt fairly safe walking around except for when i went past past the police station and coming from small town New Zealand, they've got these, you know, AK-47s with them or whatever it was, walking up the road, and I'm like, okay, that's a bit intimidating for a Kiwi lad, um, you know, who's yeah. walking around in his jandals here. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we also got yeah, the summer, so it was quite good weather as well. You know, it didn't, it wasn't freezing ice cold that you also think of Russia. It was 30 degree heat. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's the two things that sort of surprised me, I guess, or, or I don't think people fully understand. Is, is one is I always felt safe the whole time I was there walk around by myself. Um, obviously, I'm not a young female or anything, and who knows, they mm. may feel a little more intimidated about things. But I'd go out and walk out by myself late hours in the evenings and early mornings, and and I'd just get around as I would here, and I never mm. felt unsafe. The, the only one time that I did feel a little bit like you just mentioned before was heading out with a few um, of the rugby boys to head out for a drink. And you turn up to the to the bar and there's a there's a guy with a bulletproof vest on and a and a gun standing on the door. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Shit, this is it's not your typical bouncer. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's sort of the only time I thought, oh shit, this is not you know normal. There's probably a reason why he's got a bulletproof vest on and and holding a gun. But yeah, yeah, there's um, probably a little bit of um Kiwi boy naivety as well from both yeah. of us, I would say, and in, in our experience, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't and quite understand thing, like, the risks potentially in some of those positions, but in general, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, same yeah. sort of thing. And then the other thing was the summer. Like we had an unreal summer. I was there for most of the summer as well. The the Russian summer, and we had 30, 35 mm. degree days consistently for the for most of the summer. Really, it was yeah, it was unreal. It was um, they had a beautiful summer over there. They just yeah, it just does the opposite in the winter. Yeah, yeah, extreme. Um, yeah yeah and then yeah to end of 2020 come home and um come home to nothing 
Um, I sort of didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, I'll try staying in SNC if I can sort of pick up a role. Because you're still living and, in, in Vicargill at this time, Gore? Yep, Gore. Yep. yep. So I went, went back home to Gore and, and then it was actually, so I come home November, December, I got a phone call um, from a guy who was working at the Crusaders uh, who now is the head of performance there and he was sort of just rang up for a bit of a conversation really and was sort of seeing where I was at. Um, and he didn't actually mention anything about a role at the time. I think he was sort of just testing the waters and seeing what I was doing and what I was up to. And then not long after that, got a, yeah, got a phone call, um, sort of from Gus there, who's, um, general manager and, and sort of said, there's a role here if you, if you want it. Um, and yeah, that was, but it took me by surprise anyway. Uh, then it goes back to that thing like, yes, I was working a year there for free um, as an intern, but it's pretty much like a year-long interview process, really, at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, they, they know who you are. They know how you work. They know what you're capable of. Um, sort of put my best foot forward when I was there and, and soaked up as much as I can. And, and then a, a role comes up down the track and got a phone call. So um and and i mean in that good. time you're not just sitting around either though like you've gone out there and you've done all these other things you've you've snc'd for a bunch of different professional teams you've traveled internationally you've got this broad range of experience as opposed to that fresh grad from ucolk you know like um yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a bit of a different prospect in terms of a job now you know with that experience under your belt yeah 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 so good yeah good timing and, and like you say experience and and going out and leading a program myself and uh, yeah, everything, all the stars sort of aligned really and and then ended up, that was start of 2021, went up to, back up to Christchurch and I've, yeah, been there for the last, what is it now, two years? Mm. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that's just about as... Might, might be to hear Harvey in the background there, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm actually stationed in the garage, but he's running around making some noise. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dad podcast, so if anyone's complaining about noise from children, then they're, they're at the wrong podcast, yeah. I think. But I don't know if yeah. you can hear him. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't. I can't. Okay. <laughs> cool, man. So that's your what? You're now Crusaders. That's present day, Sean. You've mentioned about how you met yeah. um, Stace and got married and had a long distance marriage for a period of time there. A little bit hard to make children when you're living in Russia on your own. Um, mm -hmm. But you come back two years, three years down the track from there and you've got an 18 month old. So how did that mm -hmm. sort of all happen? Had you guys always intended that to be the plan when you came back? What was kind of the, the thoughts around that? Well, well, it had been it had been a plan um, mm -hmm. at some stage um probably happened a little bit sooner than we uh initially were were planning or wanted it to but um at the time we rolled with it and we were i mean we we're happy uh yeah i've sort of come from the from the understanding and you're living proof of it i suppose is is a lot of people just can't you can't people think you just pop mm. kids out when you want but <laughs> you can't um or a lot of people can't so um i mean we're sort of happy um, once we got mm. into the initial oh, it's a bit earlier than we wanted but hey we're we're happy and this is it's going to be yeah, it's going to be awesome so we rolled with it um yeah and we had a bit of a hectic start really um 
my life, <laughs> yeah, like, what was that, 20, well, that was when I moved up to, was it 21? Yeah, Stace was pregnant when yeah. I moved up to Christchurch. And then yeah. so we're moving up to Christchurch, uh, where she was uh, late in her pregnancy as well. Uh, so sort of moving, moving houses, trying to get everything sorted. Um, and then we ended up being in Christchurch at maybe a couple of weeks, sort of just got settled in a rental. Um, and then she, well, I was up there initially, she was staying in Gore, um, just because it was easier and more settled for her instead of been up um, in Christchurch and I was sort of up in Christchurch um, trying to sort of get things sorted for, for when she and, and Cooper arrived. But um, yeah, she, not long, she was up in Christchurch and had Cooper. So, um, and then, and we actually bought a place in Christchurch at that time too. So. So, so you did the same thing, Sash, and I did then. You were, you were living in a rental pretty much for that first bit of time with baby. Yeah, first two weeks I think or yeah. one week and then we moved into the our oh, you moved house that quick. purchase <laughs> yep yep um so I was up there in a rent I was up there for six months in a rental while Stace was still uh, in Gore but then yeah once she moved up um she was up for a few weeks had baby up in Christchurch and then we moved in like a week or two after that so Cooper was literally a couple of weeks old and we're they're trying to move into a, a property. So it was all go. It was a busy time. Uh, a lot of things happening. Uh, but as you could probably pick up from the, the start of this podcast, um, we have had, had a bit going on in our lives for a while. I mean, moving here, there, and everywhere, and um, sort of just get on with it, really. So um, sort of wasn't really you to us being moving around and, and doing things like that. But I remember yeah, um, my, my PhD supervisor saying to me, um, he was talking about whether I was going to go overseas after I finished finished the doctorate, and he, I said something about wanting to have kids soon. And he goes, oh, you can have kids anywhere, mate. You, you know, they, <laughs> they just come with you. It's all good. And I'm like, oh, yeah. But, I mean, the, you know, it, it, there's, there's an element of truth in that, that, you know, when a baby yeah. is young, they don't they don't have a set sort of routine or anything. You know, it's a bit all over the place, and they can go with the flow a lot better than we probably can because – there's, they're not plan making plans, you know, like <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. As long as I've got my bottle in my bed or food in my bed <laughs> and or whatever mom. it is. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah so it was what was that 18 months ago now? Hey, we mm. Cooper over in Christchurch and that's probably the last 18 months is about as, as settled as we've been, really. It's been good. Well, um, you, you timed that pretty well then really to settle down a little bit. Like um, that's one thing yeah. you definitely got right, I guess, is that you've been able to have that focus and that that sort of stability in some sense um, with that. I yeah. mean, your job still involves a lot of travel, though, I imagine. So, Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, our head of performance travels with the Crusaders, um, so I'll stay behind um, for Crusaders season. But when we get to the NPC competition, I'll travel with the team. So uh, there's a little bit of travel involved for a few months, but... For the majority of the year, it's actually not too bad, uh, mm. which is good. Yeah. 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 So I guess um, we, we've jumped into, I've, I had a little series of notes here that I sent through to you about the types of things that we might um, we might cover. And we've spent a good bit of time on that background. I think people have a really good understanding of what you've done in that work sense, I guess. Um, 
I'm just kind of interested to dive into your training and and how you've kind of managed that exercise aspect of life with baby because I know you know it, it changes a lot of things in terms of how much time you have available outside of work all those sorts of things but prior to baby and probably prior to Russia you know you you trained up for an Ironman and that's 12 hours of, of work for someone who's going at a, at a speed you are. You know, for most people, it's a lot longer than 12 hours. Um, so that means there's a hell of a lot of training involved in terms of hours doing training. Like, what did your training, I guess, pre-Cooper look like compared to what it does now? And I guess, I mean, we'll, we'll just start there and then I'll ask a few more questions as we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, especially during that endurance phase um it's definitely i mean i've done that for maybe three years um mm. started off with a with a half marathon and a half ironman and slowly built my way up but um you sort of slowly start to learn it's a pretty selfish sport um any sort of endurance activity i mean it was it was work and then I'd be working at Invercargill. So I'd drive into Invercargill. Uh, I was leaving home at five o'clock because um, it was, had a bit of a drive and then um, to be on the tools at six. But during most of the year for the NPC level stuff, we were um, training before and after work because guys still work mm. in the off season. So I'd, my work would be before and after work as well. Uh, so I'd, I'd head into town early work for the morning and then 10, 11 o'clock till two o'clock sort of had a big lunch break. Cause that was sort of my time off before we got into the evening, um, shift. I'd just train, um, whether I'd be <laughs> heading down to the pool for an hour and a half or out on the bike for three or four hours, um, or running for two or three hours. That's, uh, sort of worked well as well because Stace was at work at that time too. So I'd, I did nothing else to do, so I'd train. Um, but then we wouldn't see much of each other during the week because I'd be working till sort of later in the evenings and we'd come home and then jump in bed. So um, we spent our weekends together, but during our weekdays, like we didn't actually see a lot of each other or have a lot of a little mm. downtime. Um, so that was sort of my my training schedule really when I was training for the endurance side of things, um, and even before Cooper came along, going from doing that endurance training, training, like going out for a three hour, hour run was normal, <laughs> which you got to start second guessing yourself if you go out for a three hour run and it's normal <laughs> or sit on a bike for four or five hours. Um, like it took a bit of adjusting even just post Ironman. So 2019, I completed that Ironman. So when I was in Russia, it was sort of that period when I was in Russia before Cooper came along, I was even struggling to just do a half an hour workout or a 45 mm -hmm. minute workout and feel like that was enough. Um, you can sort of you're see so, you were in that mindset of you have to do several hours for it to count almost. Is yeah, that the sort yeah. of, you know, in your brain, you'd sort of configured, well, actually a normal workout takes me two hours or three hours plus. And here I am trying to justify a 30 minute Metcon or something or strength session. And it's like, nah, that doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Like, I feel like I've just got started and I, it's 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Like you get so used to training for long periods of time. Um, yeah, it took a while even just to adjust to that. And then once again, once Cooper comes along, um, 
and then you have sort of less time. You go from having all this time <laughs> in a selfish sport, um, yeah. training just about all you want, and then to having to pick and not pick and choose, just but be efficient with your time. It was a real mental switch, and it was sort of took a while to get used to. Um, so were I'm you back in, were you back into a pretty steady routine prior? To Cooper, like, were you were you training fairly regularly? You know, leading up to his birth and that. Like, how many sessions and things would you typically be doing a week pre baby? Um, yeah, five, yeah. five to six maybe sessions, but they were sort of being normalised to um, a five or ten k run or a yeah. CrossFit workout, or um, I was just doing just some general training just to hold my fitness, hold my strength until I sort of decided on the next thing I wanted to next goal yeah to do or, or take off I was in a bit of a holding pattern then to be honest while I was in Russia because they didn't really want to compete or do an event over there I was I sort of over there and I was working and um was sort of happy just ticking along and keeping the the fitness and the strength yeah up up with what I wanted to do on that day or didn't really have mm. a a real a real plan to it it probably goes back to that what you've talked about in your your first episode around physical activity or, or training it was more the physical activity mm. at that stage i think and it was just um keeping the body ticking along and, and doing what i needed to do to feel good for the day and, and yeah sort of making it a regular part of your routine as well. yeah yeah 100 yeah. I, yeah. I my wife would would 100 say that if i don't train then i'm I'm a much grumpier guy to be around or, or less happy. So uh, she, that, I think that's why she's supportive of my exercise. She might not always be, but I think that's why it's a bit better because Hayden, who doesn't exercise, <laughs> isn't as fun as Hayden, who does, just in terms of his mental health, as you yeah. say. Yeah. So then you're, you're back yeah. into this routine then of, you know, keeping active five, six days a week. Cooper comes along. Yeah. How did that kind of throw a spanner in the works for you? And I'm, I mean, we're both pretty young dads. You know, we've only been doing this for two years you know i'm going to try get a, a range of different people on as we go but there'll probably be a lot of people yeah. that are a bit younger or you know a bit fresher to this parenting thing as well that tune in so i think some of these like you know new dad strategies can be quite helpful for people and even for the you know the old hands in this game of parenting we have a lot more wisdom and experience than people like us there's still stuff yeah. to glean from this so how, how have you kind of done that what have you what does it look like now and how have you managed to structure it um yeah, so if we sort of carry on from what we're just talking about, it's probably the easiest. Mm. Where I was, I was going from training was, I was selfish really with my training. I had all the time in the world. Uh, well, not all the time in the world, but you know, I could just about plan and train whatever training I wanted for that day. Um, and I guess my background too, I sort of it had to be what it was. It was. It was planned and it had to be either an hour or was a if it was a minute on minute off i was doing a minute on a minute off it wasn't you know like i got quite i quite like structure and i probably just because of my background i'd sort of like yeah. to to follow the detail um but now it's um i'm just sort of still and i'm still doing it is making that mind shift of um because quite often me and Stace will we'll go work out and Cooper will be around and we might, I'll have Cooper for a minute or so or I'll mm. amuse him or he'll be walking around the garage and mucking around while we're, while we're out there training. But it might be two minutes and 15 seconds on while Cooper's amused and then when he's walking <laughs> over and he wants some attention, I might have a minute off or it might be yeah. four minutes off and I might wander from, with him for a bit. 
Um, but shit, the science might say minute on, minute off, or this or that, but like it doesn't matter at the end of the day, really. Like I'm doing some interval training. If it's three minutes off while I'm kicking Cooper's ball for a bit, or Stace is having a turn on some equipment or doing some squats or going for a run down the driveway. Um, I'm sort of slowly learning like it doesn't actually matter. I'm not a professional sportsman, even though I like to probably sometimes think I am. Um, <laughs> like it, I'm getting a sweat up, I'm moving my body, like it's, it actually doesn't matter. Um, yeah. That's so probably a big change. And it's I a still, hard one to make too, eh? Because you've, you've yeah. come from this background of being a professional rugby player, of doing these like ridiculously, you know, an Ironman is, is no easy endeavor to take on. You have to be pretty well trained for that. And you've always probably had that, that structure of, I'm going to do this on this day. It's going to be for this long. This is the intensity I'm aiming for. It's an easy day or it's a hard day or it's a whatever day. And now you're like, hang on, I have to not be so regimented and strict because otherwise I'm actually just not going to get anything in, you know, like that whole analysis paralysis by analysis type thing when you try and be too structured you just do nothing um yeah. so it's yeah. quite a shift and that's that's how i got to like i would whenever i'd work out i would in my head i'd have to be pushing as hard as i could for that workout or do the best i could for that workout and it's not even it's not a competition it's not nothing it's just a workout on a day like a random yeah. day a random workout and i'm having to do it perfectly as hard as i can and finish like I've given everything but it doesn't have to be like that like I'm starting to learn that like the other day I you just got for a 15 minute jog and it was I didn't really feel like it I had 15 minutes I just went for a 15 minute plod down the road and it wasn't my best time I didn't do any hard efforts I you know it's you just I just got it in and I'm still learning that that's okay like I don't yeah. have to finish a workout and think like oh shit I did really well I'm naked, I've emptied the tank. I just went out, you know, you get the heart rate up and get some fresh air and I'm sort of learning that that's good enough, you know, like it's yeah. good enough for that day. It doesn't have to be 100% all the time completing a full workout. Just because I've written down or just because I've got a workout that says five rounds on it, if I complete three of those rounds and it, that's fine. Like I don't have to yeah. actually complete everything or work for a set amount of time um which yeah. is and, and what, like it's, and it's other, the, the other it. aspect of well of like actually when we look at the science of adding like you know from one to two to three sets it's a massive law of diminishing returns you know like from the second to the third set you probably don't gain all that much that you did from going from one to two you know and then from three to four again it's probably a little bit less gain and four to five and that matters when you're playing a game of inches right or you're trying to get an extra kilo here or there but yeah when you're a dad who's trying to stay fit, healthy, you know, in shape, whatever it might be that your sort of goals are with your exercise and that, it's, there's a whole lot less importance of that, but it's very, very hard. And that's the same thing. I've really struggled with a lot changing that mindset. Like I still will write down my plan for the week, you know, and I'll, and I'll want to try and complete that. But sometimes things pop up and it's having those sort of parameters, you know, like, okay, say I want to get an hour run and we actually, I might only have time for 45 that day and I have to sometimes be willing to do that. And that's not always, <laughs> that's not always yeah. the case or switch days, whatever it is, you know, it might not be optimal yeah. that you do your shorter session before your longer one or whatever, but sometimes you just got to do 
<laughs> what you can do to get it in. And it sounds like you're you're learning that lesson after 18 months and it's a, still a habit. One of the other things um, I picked up on there was you mentioned that you train in the garage. I just sort of wondered if that's something that's been beneficial for you since having Cooper as well. I know you had a bit of a setup in um, Gore, but is that is that gym on site something that you find really beneficial? Like from an environmental perspective, it's it's a bit hard to get away from. Like it's there, it's easy, it's convenient. It sort of removes a bit of that friction. It is, yeah. We, it's a funny one. I, we actually don't use it as much as we thought we would. Like in Gore, we we used it heaps. I used it all the time. Yeah. Um, but since we've been based in Christchurch, uh, I'll head into work and I'll train at work. Um, so my typical day is I'll get up early and train before work, get my yeah. stuff done first thing or, or my sort of free time, I guess. And so you have access train. to the facilities that the boys use there as well? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got a little crew, a little a crew of our little S&C office. We all go in and train together. So it's good. So that's I sort of go in and train with them uh, before work. And that sort of sets up our day and then we'll we'll get into our work. So I'll get in early and do that. And then I can sort of usually duck away from work around four o'clock mm. um, and then get home. And then that's my time to spend with, with Cooper and, and Stacey. We'll either go to the gym, uh, mm. get away and have a bit of her time as well. Um, so that's a bit of time for her away from Cooper as well and, and spend a bit of, bit of time to herself or get in her gym session and, and go to the gym or, or do what she needs to do. So, um, the gym at home actually doesn't get a lot of use because if Stace worked out at home, she'd just spend the whole day at home, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's her time to get away too. So, um, oh, well, I picked up this thing, mate. It was nothing, you know, the environment aspect. Bloody hell, here I am thinking on picking things up. Look at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but it does, the home gym can become handy. like that, though, as well. Like, you know, it sounds like a really great idea, but you actually still have to be pretty disciplined to be able to, <laughs> yeah, and it's to, good be able to, get to do that. Short, getting a short workout or do something when yeah. I'm not at work for the day I'll, I'll use it or on the weekend when I'm not heading into work we want to get something done we'll we'll yeah. use it and go out and yeah yeah I like I like that easy. idea as well um you know with Stace they're giving her that chance to get away as well like that's I think something that's sort of part of this as well as with that family as a priority type aspect finding those ways that you know I know both you and Stace were pretty into um, exercise training and sport like you know Stace was hockey or is hockey um, in terms of what she does for a sport so I mean she's she's pretty active and has always been that way as well so you've got to navigate that as well when you're both keen on that environment it's uh, both keen on that aspect of life it's like how do we actually make sure that there's time for me to do this and time for Stace to do this um, and I think it, it, it's good though because it probably gives you some of that alone time um, with Cooper as well because I find with Harvey like if mum's an option um, he often will choose mum and for me that sometimes sucks you know sometimes it's handy but a lot of the time it kind of sucks because I actually want to hang out with him and play with him and he'll be like oh mummy hug and I'm like mate like, I'm yeah. right here come come hang out with me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like dad's cool too dad can give a hug as well man like come on <laughs> yeah we just had that conversation maybe even yesterday day before actually that that same thing um because we're on holiday it's a little bit different so we're we're hanging around mm. a little bit more um so stace will feel like she gets sort of she doesn't have that time away as much um because if we're both there hanging around he'll often want to go to mum um yeah. so that's the thing it's it's if you want your your me time i said to her you just need to 
same thing, go do some exercise or get out and, and go for a walk and put your podcast on or go for a run. Um, mm. Cause he'll spend time with me and he's happy as too. But if he's got the option and we're both just hanging around home or whatever, he'll, he'll go to mum. Where's mum or mum? I, I, I hear it's like an age a... thing as well, Sean. Like, you know, it's not just uh, now I, I've been, I read some of this book. I haven't read it all yet about raising boys. Um, and one of the things they mentioned in there is that during those early years, they have a really strong attachment to mum, which is quite logical, right? Because mum's yeah. typically, not always, but typically mum's been the one that's been at home more. And in my situation, you know, that that is the case. That mum took off, you know, that year of work and did some part-time and she was with him 24-7, whereas dad was heading off to work during those times. And so he didn't get quite as much time with me in that that beginning phase. Um, and so it's probably natural that they make an attachment with the person that they actually see the most of, right? But apparently as they get older, yeah. boys in particular, they'll grow an attachment to their dad because it's that kind of, you know, um, male bonding thing. And they're like, ah, oh, dad's a boy too, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. They, they, they realize that pretty quickly. I, I don't know if it's appropriate to share on a podcast, but, you know, Harvey's having a shower with mum and he goes, where's penis? You know, like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like he knows daddy has one and he's probably going to figure that out at some stage that oh, oh it's because i'm <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. i'm a boy that's interesting was... one, that's, that's strange i wonder what people with penises do i might hang out with dad and see what he does i don't know yeah. <laughs> that's just yeah, a theory I'm, I'm probably far wrong but hey <laughs> well it's not far wrong or not far different from what goes on in, in our household i was sitting on the couch the other day and we're at the beach and it's summer so I was sitting on the couch had my shirt off and just holding coat and he turns to me points to my nipple and he's like booby <laughs> <laughs> I was like yeah close enough yeah yeah, but yeah no, no milk there mate <laughs> yeah not what you're after six months ago though <laughs> I had a yeah. couple of times actually when I was giving Harvey a shower when he was like way younger and he obviously I don't know if you know, saw the nipple or whatever it was in the shower and he tried to latch onto me one time, like just literally just lunged at it. And I'm like, mate, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> none of that here, yeah, jeepers, mate. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to get yeah, any like, of that here, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to hurt dad. But, you know, if he, if he bites you, at least, you know, when mum tells you that that's not a fun time, you kind of have a little bit of more empathy um, yeah. when he's, or sympathy when he's tried to do that. That's you as well. Um. So I guess uh, just thinking, you mentioned that you haven't done any competitions um, recently. You haven't had any big goals in, in the last little while with your train. You've kind of just been going with the flow, I guess, and keeping it as a, as a habit and keeping that baseline level of fitness and, and health and well-being and that with your training. Are there any goals on the horizon? Yep. Yeah. When when Cooper did come along, I always had a bit of a plan to just get on what I could. Um, I knew it was going to be a different time. Um, I couldn't just go out and train when I wanted to. So um, that was always the plan for the first to sort of set a, a time period of the first couple of years. Yeah. So um, just to get the hang of the, the parenting thing. And, and once Cooper was more settled and um, we sort of knew what we're doing a little bit more being, being the first child. So um, I coast to coast is something that's on my radar that I want to tick off. Um, I actually done most of training for it. Um, I trained through 2019, done Ironman, and I was going to do coast to coast the following year. Um, so, got my all the gear, got my grade two cert for kayaking, and got everything I needed, and done majority of the training through to January, which was two months out from the coast. 
and then I ended up going to Russia um, and took that opportunity there. So um, got my refund and sold my kit. Uh, but that's something that's sort of got away that I want to tick off at some mm -hmm. stage. So in the next year or two, I'll probably start jumping on trade me and find myself a, a kayak and, and slowly start getting back into it. Um, so that's probably going to be the, the next one on the horizon. Um, it's just mapping out, like you say, when when and where that training can fit yeah. um, and just being a little bit more planned with it. Um, I imagine the, the way that you train for it would almost be a bit different, eh? Like in terms of you can't just go do long stuff all the time. You've probably got to really strategically target and plan with Stace when those times will be. And otherwise, yeah. it's probably more typical training. It can't be sort of a full-time devotion to it as much as it might have been back when you were at the Stags. Yeah, that's it. And, and just being happy to complete it. Um, yeah. Is another thing too. Like it doesn't have to be. Well, I think it's a competitive time in my own head, but it's not competitive to anyone that's half good at it. But even just completing a race like that's an achievement. Yeah. So it's just going in with a mindset to complete it and yeah, and doing enough work to to go out there and be safe and enjoy it, but um, just complete it. So um, yeah, and it might mean jumping on the trainer and and doing my biking indoors but I mean it's not perfect or ideal but if that gets the job done it gets the job done um, yeah so yeah that's sort of the next next thing on the horizon I think going forward cool cool and and you're going to do this 145 with me aren't you mate 145 yeah 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 I'm going to hold you to that this year I heard you yeah I think I have to actually get to it because last year it didn't really I, I, th I was going to I'd planned with one of my athletes that I was going to do the bench with him the day before the Hawks Bay half. Um, and for some reason, we never we never got around to doing that. But also my bench press just capitulated and, and didn't really go where I needed it to go. Um, yeah. So I, I have to be a bit more structured with that this year. And I, the key that I've sort of thought about with this is, is rather than having like big sessions of bench, they will be like a few, you know, more sessions amongst the week but shorter sessions that i can kind of get and get it done and you know yeah. you're still building towards that goal but you're not having to devote <laughs> you know sets Hours. and sets and sets on any one day to it you know you can yeah. chuck in a half hour easy run and you know finish with some bench or do it the other way around and have a little bit of bench and then go out for your half hour run you know um so i'm, I'm trying to be a little bit more strategic and structured in that sean but i think uh, we should definitely get together for that one um, at some stage, maybe, I don't know if we actually enter a proper half marathon race somewhere together. It's got to be a flat one because I want the best chance of the 145. Uh, <laughs> and then do, you know, yes. do, do the bench press the day before. I was just actually, when you mentioned it recently, I saw 145. So it's five minute Ks, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much bang five on. I think it's 459 or something. Yeah. Should yeah. be a walk in the was... park for you, mate. No, it's good pace. Not for my run the other day, mate. Um, got a bit of work to do. And I haven't jumped on a bench for a while either, so that will be interesting. Yeah, I had a good probably month without benching um, recently. And before that, it's just been sort of maintenance. I haven't been anything. So I'm thinking I'm probably somewhere between 125 and 130 on the bench at the moment. Um, yeah. But I figure with a decent amount of training, you know, there's surely a little bit of uh, muscle memory, as as they say. Um, there yeah. for the bench it's it has been a lift I've been able to do in the past but I'm a fair bit lighter um, and nowhere near as focused on it as I may have been back then but surely surely we can take you know 20 odd kilos off the best ever and, and hit that 
with a bit of work. But that's the main thing. It's got to actually get the work in, eh? <laughs> that's it. Cool, man. I think we've kind of covered a lot of things there that I wanted to go through today where I think around about that hour mark, there was just, I wanted to do sort of three final questions with each of the guests. I can't remember if I sent these to you in advance or not. Don't know. Don't so, think I did actually. Um, but the, they shouldn't be too difficult to... Um, don't say that. Anyway. <laughs> You're the first victim, mate. So anyone who um, does a podcast after this, so um, they'll, they'll have the four or the hindsight that if the foresight, hindsight, one of those two, um, to know that actually, oh, I listened to that podcast with Sean and I have, I know these three questions. So here we go, mate. We'll get into these and then we'll, we'll let you be on your way because I know we've both got things, uh, family to hang out with today, obviously. You know, we said that's a priority, so we can't podcast all day. <laughs> so the final questions, man, the first one um, is kind of apt for both of our situations, but just one sort of key parenting tip for a new parent so someone who might have a baby on the way um what would be something that you'd kind of say it doesn't have to be an actual advice of parenting but just something a, a word of advice or even caution or a tip just something that you would give if someone's like sean i'm got a baby due in two weeks any tips mate shit you're putting me on the spot here mate i wish you <laughs> did send them through um shit bit of advice um I think I'll stick with the the exercise theme, um, and we've talked about it a little bit already. It's just mm. um, just do something. Uh, doesn't have to be perfect. 10, 15 minutes of exercise. Um, out, go out for a walk with your dog, or or just get out and about and have some me time because that's important. Um, you don't feel like you you both have to be there slaving away the whole time because um, if you're both doing that, you're both going to be knackered and tired and and things will snowball. So, um, yeah, your your me time and your own time is still important. So, uh, even if it's a fifteen minute walk with a dog or a run up and down the driveway to get go out and get some exercise in and, and still sort of plan and make sure you put yourself maybe not first but a close second um, still most of the time as well. I think think that's good, mate. I think you did well with that one uh, off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> right um num number two so this this one could be interesting i think as well um, doesn't have to be limited to parenting or training you can kind of go wherever you want with it um what would be the most helpful new habit or i guess change it could be anything like that that you've implemented in the last year new habit i've implemented in the last year well i um i'm not a reader i don't read books and i'm not about to say that i've started reading books either but um it's just not a way that i absorb information um it never has been uh, i mean practice makes perfect so i probably could get better at it um but I, someone was telling me about habit stacking i'm not sure if it's the the same way it's i know there's um what's the book you might know atomic habits james atomic Clear. habits yeah yeah yeah, so um, I don't know if it's how he defines it, but um, I was wanted to listen to listen more podcasts as sort of one of my goals to absorb some information. Mm. And it was okay. So what do I do now regularly that I can chuck some some podcasts on? So something that I want to do, stack it with something that I already do, um, and that was exercise obviously mm. so now whenever i'm out for a run or doing anything that's not with 
my work crew because um, that would be a bit antisocial. I'll chuck on, <laughs> I'll chuck on my headphones and, and chuck in a podcast now. So, um, yeah, that's a, a habit that I've started in the last year or so is is listening to podcasts whenever I'm out for a run or a bike or or getting exercise in. And it's and it's a good way to either learn something new or even like work wise, a lot of them are strength and conditioning base like it's a good mm. a good another way to sort of absorb some new information yeah that's awesome that's cool which makes my last question uh, going to be a bit interesting then because it's uh do you have any book recommendations <laughs> uh, you well, could listen, go with podcast the, recommendations if you want like it's a bit i've of... listened to the uh, i've listened to the atomic habits podcast <laughs> uh yeah the, the summarization of it um nah, book oh sorry matt i don't have any book recommendations Pod, we'll go um, podcast then. Book. I'll, I'll change this question for future episodes then, Sean, to be book or podcast recommendations, you know, help the next yeah. people out. <laughs> nice. Um, podcast recommendations. Um, I pretty much just filter through two different um, podcasts and they probably don't come to too much surprise. One's Pacey Performance uh, Podcast. Yeah. Um, so I listen to that and probably have listened to just about every episode uh that's come out on there and then if i'm not looking for something um sort of performance related or, or sort of not looking to educate myself um although i still may it's a joe rogan podcast is another go-to as well so those are definitely the two top podcasts on my spotify by far um, so usually if i'm looking for something that's where i'll head cool man i think those are good recommendations and um definitely some stuff hopefully people can take away and i mean you, you did in theory give a little bit of a um a book recommendation there you know in, in passing through your podcasts um well anyway sean it's been a pleasure to have you on um so i appreciate you coming on making time for us and uh yeah wish you all the best going forward and maybe we'll be able to catch up you know in a couple more years or months or whatever it might be about how things are going and dive into how maybe that coast to coast sort of adventure has gone so Again, Sean, thanks for joining us. Any final words? No, nah, thanks for having me, mate. Um, hopefully you'll put me out as podcast number one and that'd be unreal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we've already got podcast number one out, mate. You referred to it, but you're going to be our uh, our podcast first interview podcast. So the first, first real guest. podcast where it's not just me talking to myself. It's a whole lot more comfortable uh, talking yeah. to someone else. So thanks for coming on, Sean. Appreciate your time. Cool. Awesome. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Stronger Dads Collective podcast. If you gained anything of value, please go ahead and share this episode with someone else that you think may benefit from its content. Also, feel free to follow me on Instagram at HJP underscore Stronger Dads. That's at HJP underscore Stronger Dads. We'll see you on the next one.